Hello everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Rockin' Beards Podcast. This is the show where we break down non-hip-hop music track by track, give our thoughts and opinions on every single song. My name is Holden Stefan Roy, and joining me today is... Mike Tensiras. That's right. So today, we're going to be running through the Korn album, Follow the Leader, and we're going to talk about every single song on the album, and that's what we're going to do today. So I'm going to do the little intro bit. If you want to skip that shit, you can feel free to check the description of the video where you'll see a full itinerary of everything. And on that note, we're not experts. We're just some uh, regular-ass people, and I find often this is the case. People who come to the video tend to be a little more knowledgeable about the history of the music that we're discussing in terms of just being big time fans and all that shit uh you know watched all the interviews etc etc over the last 20 years i can't compete with that shit all i can do is listen to the albums and tell you what i think about them so i appreciate all the amazing comments that we get as a result of just people who are also down to talk about the amazing albums that we discuss and whatnot so I like to pick a, a favorite comment of uh, another review. In this case, it was the last Korn album we did, which was Issues. And on that, Bryn Bordelin said, this album cover was from a contest. There were three other covers, one with, with like a newspaper kind of feel. The other is like a character of the band in an insane asylum. And the last one was like a picture of chalk figures on the ground next to some sort of memorial. But the main cover was the winner. And you can see the others in like a FYE, I don't know what that means, or other place where you can find used CDs. And so I thought that was like a cool comment in like the vein of what I'm talking about. Like as much as I might have stumbled onto that on the internet while looking into the album, I might not have like really recognized the significance of it or whatever. So just seeing comments on the different things that we talk about with that kind of backstory you know it helps us be smarter the next time we talk about corn and it helps everyone else who comes to the review because let's be real everybody reads the comments so that's the kind of community we try to foster up in here um we're gonna get into it very shortly you have a special shout out to the patrons in the beginning while y'all still watching to Ismail Gadamsey, Chris Prado, Jonathan Barnes, DJ Black, Hurricane, and Linda Williams. We'll touch on that at the end of the episode. On that note, Mike, why don't you tell the fine people what album we're talking about today? We're talking about Follow the Leader by Korn. That's right. So this is the part of the show where we like to contextualize um, how familiar we are with the artist, this album in general, going into it, so that you have an idea of where we're all at with it. And since I've been basically talking this whole time, Mike, why don't you tell the people when you discovered Korn, when you first heard this album, what your general experiences was before this review? All right. Well, I was actually watching uh, Much Music one time, which is like the Canadian version of MTV. Oh yeah. And uh, I just saw a, I just saw a music video starting. I was a cartoon and I saw a girl running up and stuff and it was actually Freak on the Leash actually off this album and I was intrigued and then I saw the whole thing with the bullet going through everywhere and I really thought it was really cool so I actually just wanted to hear more and then I saw Got the Life came out a little bit afterwards and uh, next thing you know I ended up asking my father to get this album and he got it from me through uh, this thing we have in uh, called Columbia House where it was like a CD club like you were, if you uh, join up uh, with the club you got like seven free CDs so that was one of them that I got that was the first Korn album I got was this one called The Leader and uh, I have to say it's one of my favorite Korn albums. Yeah, so you, we can safely assume that you've listened to it a whole bunch. Oh yeah, because of actually, I'm gonna say from like 11 till 
15, 11, yeah, from 11 years old to 15 years old, Corn was actually my favorite band, so. Okay. On my end, uh, I do know who Corn was, because I remember when Here to Stay dropped, and I was watching much music, and I saw that video, and it, like, was, like, it fucked me up, because lyrically, it was, like, really powerful, and I was starting to get into my darker feelings of life phase, and... Let's be real, Korn's real good music for when you're in the darker phase of life days. And, um, I don't know, basically every single that came out between then and, let's say, Evolution or whatever in 2006. So in that period, every single that got released came out. I, at some point, bought the live album, which uh, was kind of like a greatest hits album in a sense. And so I listened to a lot of shit. It was also like when The Wall came out, because I really like Korn's three-part cover of The Wall. I thought that was really cool. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, like, I've seen them twice live, and I have to say, like, I even met them uh, when I won backstage passes to a show. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I have to say, like, live, it was definitely an experience, because, like, seeing John Davis coming out with the bagpipes at one point and stuff, and, like, seeing how just talented these guys really were, because I saw them in 2002, and I saw them in 2016, so very far apart shows, and I've seen how very different they can be. Because in 2016... It wasn't as it wasn't close to as good as twenty four as two thousand two. Um, what's super fascinating is just prior to having decided to review this album, I've been reading groupie stories for famous people online, and um, we'll be talking about one of the stories. So just fun facts, because uh, corn. Uh, no, it was actually in this video I was watching about the fall of corn which is kind of a weird thing for the title of the video, but it was describing when the guitarist quit the band and what was going on. Yeah, yeah. So describing some of the depravity the band was up to around you know, some of the recording process of this album. Um, I did do Issues, which I believe is the album after this one. Yeah, and it, between these two albums is when Jonathan gets sober, um, if I'm not mistaken. and Or it could be during this album, but I'm pretty sure it was between those two albums. And that was like a big part of some of the themes on the Issues album. Uh, so definitely, especially with the first song and the story behind that one, it's a different feeling. But it's just, it's crazy to me to think that this is like basically the band that is credited as being the start of new metal and how much I like new metal. So how little I've listened to them is a little bit like, shit, I gotta fix that. As far as full albums are concerned, and this whole channel, a lot of it is album reviews because it's one thing to make a banger song. It's, a, it's one thing to make a cool single like Y'all Want a Single, which is a catchy little jingle, all things considered. But it's another thing to be able to create a cool album. So that's what this, this show is more about, though, is the whole experience of the project. So the only one I really, really gave the proper attention to before this is Issues. So now it's like we're going back an album to uh, this one. And... Um, Obviously, I know Freak on a Leash because everybody knows Freak on a Leash. And, uh, that was like the intro to Korn. <laughs> but it wasn't for me. Oh. But it was a song I discovered after because I remember somebody did uh, Freak on a Leash for a lyrics uh, poetry assignment. And there was a big conversation about the mm, that part, like how to do like a poetic analysis on that, which I can do really well now. But at 12 years old, I don't think I could have. Yeah, very good thing. I digress. Um, I think it's Seth MacFarlane who did the cover. And it's like uh, just a bunch of kids. It's just like uh, going up. And it's the same thing that gets used in the music video a bit. And you just see like a hopscotchy thing and this little girl in a red dress was super vibrant. You know, kind of represents almost like this innocence of this like little girl. Uh, whatever. And then all these blandless p 
people who are just following their leader basically off of a cliff in a sense is kind of what you're seeing there through the innocence of this situation because it's got like a child's game and shit all things considered like i think it's a cool cover like it's always one of those covers where you, you don't like forget it in my opinion like i remember seeing it my whole life like corton has those kinds of covers where you see them like once or twice and for the most part like at least the, this phase of their career you just remember them so vividly plus seth mcfarland's ridiculously talented as an artist like he really really is just next fuck i think it's mcfarland i hope not i get confused oh, between him I and the family guy i forgot to actually bring the album uh, here because uh, i actually had it at home but the thing is like i was gonna say about this album like it has the whole dark kids going up and then closer to the actual leader, right. where he goes with the, as Holden said, with the innocence, you have the red it's Todd dress. McFarlane. Todd McFarlane. I can't, yeah. so I know I fucked that up. I keep, I always get that uh, fucked up, probably because of the last name part. The guy who did Spawn and all of that's who I was thinking of. The guy who did the Disturbed yeah, music exactly. videos. And I, I did, the last time I brought him up, I said Seth too, and I... I know it's Todd. I'm so sorry, Internet I'm a big people. fan of Spawn, so that's a shame to me. But uh, yeah, great album cover. And I think this is one where pretty much when people are looking to buy this album, they actually knew what they were getting into because of Freak on the Leash was the music video that was really famous off the album. Mm, and That's really smart, marketing-wise. Yeah, marketing-wise, people like, people are walking by and they saw it at the store like, oh yeah, this is a Korn album because I saw the music video. So it's a very good tie-in that way. And um I just feel like, as you said, you see like the kids there, like with one guy with a girl on his shoulders. You're gonna have uh, one guy uh, with the corn actual, uh, corn actual like uh, jacket on and stuff like that. So it's actually representing the band as well, just in case you didn't know who it was that you're getting. Right. Honestly, though, I think it's engaging, and I like the uh, follow the leader title, right, with the backwards R for corn and shit. But just. It's such a counterculture idea, you know? Like, yo, don't be such a fucking punk that's just gonna blindly follow what people expect of you, you know? Don't be, it's almost like ironically telling you to do it, knowing that that's not obviously what they want you to be doing. Yeah, follow the leader off the cliff, follow the leader off the cliff. You know, it's like commentary. Anyway, uh, I don't have a lot more to say about this, except I, you, you wanted to bring this up now. It's a good idea. So why, why don't we talk about the first 12 tracks of the album real quick? All right. First 12 tracks are pretty much each one's a five-second uh, moment of silence, pretty much. That's, that's basically it. Uh, so there were two theories I found online for this. One is that Jonathan Davis is a little superstitious and didn't want to have a 13-track project, so made them put all the extra little five second clips in um if sid were here he'd say he's just trolling and fucking with you because he's an asshole and that's also a, we're gonna call that a bonus theory the other theory i found is um as you'll come to see when we discuss the song justin there was a kid who had requested to meet them like before he died like a make-a-wish type thing and this fucked them up, right? And so there's some thought that goes out there that the 12 tracks are a moment of silence for this kid. And uh, that's really actually kind of sweet. So in general, just, just so you know, we did our, some homework and that's what I found online. If you know of a real reason or a better reason, I'd love to hear it in the comments. 
Yeah, I'd love uh, to hear it too because of it's really uh, interesting talk thing. Because of uh, when I got the album, I was just like seeing in the back how come it's starting off from track 13, and then afterwards I just saw why actually it did. So, if you guys actually have some better input than what Holden and I found out, we'd love to hear it. All right. So on that note, on that note, it's on. So I think to really appreciate what this song was about, we need to discuss what was happening while this song was vocally being recorded. So let me just quote Jonathan Davis here. We don't even need to put other people's words into the mouth. We'll just quote the man himself. While recording the vocals for album opener, it's on. People were getting blowjobs right behind me. There were girls banging each other in front of me. People getting boned in the closet right behind me. And uh, on his end, he refused to start the session unless his producer, Toby Wright, would get him an eight ball of cocaine. An eighth? An eight ball? I don't really know how to describe coke terms. So, uh, I think it's an eighth of an ounce. Basically, Jonathan Davis has also described this as possibly the most rock star moment of his life. And these people intercoursing weren't necessarily other members of Korn. I know from my previous looking into this out of curiosity one day that it was like famous people at that point, like other rock stars were in the room and he refused to like tell who it was. So all that should just be taken into consideration when looking at a song with the lyrical subject matter of this one but on the other hand like i don't know if i really want to be in that room but yeah i kind of really want to be in that room like so even if you're not participating even if just this orgy is happening all around you and shit but just to like be that fucking of like a diva in your life where you can just demand like oh recording session i'm not doing shit until i get my cocaine and then you know you're gonna get it because i mean at this point i believe corn is fucking big i don't know if they're like fucking huge huge yet but i think it is their third album they're pretty like established at this point that's incredible like it's just an incredible like times right because can you imagine anybody being able to brag about that today yeah, yeah you're not you're not getting away with that today i think the era of coke fueled orgies being a point of pride is not gonna be tomorrow anyway what do you think about this song well yeah i heard about the partying thing as well and i thought it was pretty uh fucked up the fact that you could just go and demand that right away like say he's not gonna start recording until he's got his eight ball of coke and that's when you have like girls banging right behind him and stuff like that and him just being there just demanding and stuff like that but I think that goes with the title. It's on is pretty much in as like, okay, I got my drugs. Let me record now. It's on. And the song I feel is very like the guitaring is very much like a typical corn feel to it. Like corn have a very unique style of guitar where it's like very like, um, I don't want to say like loose, but like lasery, like could be like even keyboardy kind of feel to it. And I just feel like uh, the song is like a typical one as in to give you the feel of who they are as a good intro to the album considering the beginning was all silence and now it's like all right it's on oh that's a good point eh because the silence of the album you're probably gonna be there for a little bit not really sure even if you know it's coming you'll probably just put it down and wait for the first 12 songs and then it yeah. kicks in hard okay yeah like that's the thing like okay like it was all silent now it's on that's a good point yeah, but uh, other than that, like, I just have to say, like, 
the song was pretty much just them post-party mode pretty much i feel and like i feel it's like okay we got what we want now let's give them what they want which is to record that's a good way to look at it um i i took this song in the sense of you can tell that jonathan davis is looking at this cookfield orgy in a sense and is conveying like this self-awareness to the debauchery that's that's happening here like on the one hand he he wants it he needs it and you see that really conveyed like i bet when he's doing that first lines because i don't know i assume you record the first verse first and then you move on i'm just assuming here so you can just see like somebody else is doing the line of his blow while getting you know the dick wet and you just do it save some for me you know he just like sings it out yeah. it's what i like i want to play you know it's time something's calling i can't keep from falling come on so it's still like sets it up like it's kind of fun and shit like yo let me in on this i gotta be in on this action and whatnot but you also get the illusion that it's not necessarily like fun it's just kind of like a thing that is attractive that you keep doing that it's just almost like a part of life and you can tell that it's a negative thing by his choice of the words i can't keep from falling and then come on and then you get the chorus you see it's my fault angel stabbing me inside nothing changes just rearranges for me this time so in a sense you know it's like it sounds like a drug addict who's not comfortable with the debauchery in the way that maybe it once was like you're starting to become aware that it rearranges your sensibilities you're okay with it while you're fucked up but like when you really stop to think about the situation it's like you're destroying yourself so what once was these nice angels that might have saved you are actually just kind of stabbing you on the inside and whatever and then once i came in what can i fight i can never win myself i don't like i don't like why do people do drugs and shit why do people fucking uh give in it's to escape that feeling of like i i hate myself in a lot of cases and you can kind of get this and you can feel it in the way he's singing right and you can feel it in the music They're like you know why i don't think a lot of people like new metal because new metal kind of sounds like self-hatred a little bit in this regard like this is the anthemic sound of like i don't like myself and i'm making poor choices in my life so i think you have to have not liked yourself and made really bad choices in your life to fully appreciate lyrics like once i came in what fight what can i fight i can never win myself i don't like i've had numerous days in my life where i may have ordered that really like copious amount of foods and stuff my face in and then lay there like a slothy fucking disgusting pig and shit you know like and then you know that you're gonna feel like shit before you do it and you know you maybe can't even afford it but you're gonna do it anyway and then you do it and that's just a safe example like ordering copious amounts of food that you shouldn't where i'm sure most people have i've done that a couple of times in their life yeah. But imagine if it's drugs. Imagine like, okay, I can get I can get through the day without doing a line. But then, literally, girls are sucking dick, doing blow and shit, and you're like, this is not a regular temptation. <laughs> like, this is not a regular situation. This is some fucked up shit. But at the end of the day, I love the fact that it's not like putting the pressure so much on other people. I'm certain that Jonathan Davis is kind of aware that Jonathan Davis created the environment that has a copious... Like, they spent, like, 60 grand on booze during the recording of this album. Yeah, just, like, Jack Daniels is and shit, like... Yeah, yeah. Th but, that was just the booze. 
Yeah, I know, and drugs is definitely much more expensive. Especially in the legal nature of some of them. Look, all I'm trying to say is, I feel like you can, f- in the way the music is constructed, like Korn isn't making no short songs here. They're long, they're fully done. They've got that slower tempo to it where I feel like it really creates that angry feel to the music but it also has pain engaged into the because he does it's not like crazy fast guitar riffs it's like these slower more elongated like almost bluesy in a way like in the what you would go to from a different genre of music but because it's tuned down it, it comes off metally which i really like yeah and like it's also known the fact that jonathan davis used to cry in the booth when he'd be recording and oh, you can hear like you can hear the emotion in it exactly. i don't know there are certain parts on the album and in case i don't bring it up where even the way he goes <sighs> Just between like words and barely whisper sing shit like that level of control and understanding like he's capturing emotion like this is a guy who used his body as a template to go through extreme amounts of pain to kind of repurpose it into art probably because that's what used to be celebrated in artists and then during this phase it wasn't so celebrated and now people pretend like music shit because nobody's allowed to torture themselves anymore anyway those are just some random thoughts on that also like i heard like uh, recording this album he was actually uh asked someone to punch him in the back while he was actually recording as well i wouldn't be surprised man some of these guys went through some extreme shit to like feel yeah it was for his anger like for his anger like pretty much just to have the emotional feel when he was singing he's actually having somebody punching him in the back while he was recording so i gave this song like a 4.25 on five i think it's extremely well made but like it's extremely particular mood music so like if i'm in the mood for it it is super like exactly what i want and i don't know that there's a lot of bands that like because you can hear the actual skill of the musicianship that goes into corn which makes me confused why so many people hated them back in the day i guess it was just snobbery but like i feel like corn has a really good handle of how to like compose and to, to construct almost like from a progressive rock point of view this emotional experience like you're supposed to feel like the song is like falling apart as you get to the end as he's going come on it's on you know like it's a it's kind of like a drug trip it's not meant to be this organized singular experience which i think is to its credit but it makes me a little less drawn to it as a person so 4.25 because i really admire what like the art that is being created here yeah i give it a four i mean like the song and the story definitely is interesting and i just feel it was a good way to start off the album but it's a song where you can skip it if you're not in the mood for it. it's not like the best one on the album but it's also if you're not a corn fan it's something that's good just to pretty much give you a feel of what you have to look forward to on this album Unlike the next song, which I'm sure we can all agree is uh, unbelievably a powerful banger, let's talk about Freak on a Leash. I had a recurring thing that happened on the two songs I knew about before I heard this album, so I guess it wasn't that recurring if it was for two songs. I learned lyrics that I just didn't know the lyrics to. Uh, like, let's be honest about Jonathan Davis's voice. It is so cool. Uh, the way he can flip between like talking and the i can't do it right but like that high-pitched bullshit and like the all the 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 range and the control and how mid like word he can flip it up blows my mind every single time not even gonna lie the uh, the downside to that is sometimes you think you know what he's saying 
and then you realize you were just wrong forever. He's he's not necessarily the clearest person to me. And these lyrics on Genius were very helpful to clear a couple of things up. In fact, there's apparently like on the next song, entire debates about like, you know, what is actually being said. But on this one, I mean, I'm going to talk a lot. So Mike, why don't you just, you just tell us how you feel and then I'll talk a lot and I won't feel bad. All right, well, this was my introduction to Korn pretty much when I saw this video and heard the song, and I just feel it was really good because of, as I saw the design, I was talking to people at school about it. We were all talking about how the video was really cool and how the bullet was going everywhere. Then it got to the band when uh, Jonathan was doing his thing, and then it just turns around can back. We, can we goes, just agree it's so corny in 2019, but it was really cool back in the day? Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah, like... Back then, like, yeah, he even did one song on Life is Peachy, which is just that. Yeah, it's called uh, Blind. Uh, not Blind, uh, mm. Twist, Twist. Yeah, yeah. That was that was just literally, there's no, it was just all that. But um, in regards to that, yeah, it was very corny back then, but now, I mean, it was very cool back then, but now it would be really considered corny. It's still a well-made video, people of the internet. I find myself very much enjoying watching that video. Maybe it's nostalgia. But I think it's the transition between Todd in his artwork and into the real life that really got me as being particularly cool and not something that gets done a lot, just the blending of comic to real life. Yeah, and also just the feel of, like, you just see that girl from the album cover just going up doing her hopstotch uh, thing, and then you just see that cop, just the gun fall down, bullet goes right past her, then goes right to her, Bullet goes right in her, right over to her. She goes and just drops it right in the cop's head. That's a powerful statement. Yeah. Like, stop shooting us, motherfucker. Yeah. I wish people had learned the lesson. Exactly, and that's a fight that's still going on nowadays as well. Something that's never been done, never been over. And this was in, like, 98 this was released. Uh, so I was, like, 10 years old. And very. it was very cool video to attract the young people, too, because... The young people, if they're going to see a cartoon and stuff, especially in a music video, it will definitely attract the eye. And that's one thing that attracted me. My father even taped me the song because he thought it was cool when he saw the cartoon starting. So, Another thing we need to point out is that they were doing the awesome new metal dance. That's the one where you basically pound left and right and you go... And you basically are going like that with your full body going real low as you go up and down. Yeah, that's why they beat their straps a bit looser for that. Yeah, that is my favorite move in music history dancing. And I'm I'm really hoping with this like resurgence of like new metal sounding things that we really get like the proper new metal revival I've been waiting for since I'm old enough to enjoy music without parental supervision. Um but freak on a leash yeah sorry go on no i was just about to say like how when they were doing that dance thing and all that that was the beginning of the new metal style for that because of that was something that just originated like that when they're dancing in that place when you're actually seeing them perform mm. and i just feel like uh it was a, it was just like a whole powerful thing because of that's what began a phase in a way um what about the sound though the song was actually just like the lyrics especially when he was saying at the beginning like something takes a part of me just the fact like it's making you like just like pay attention to it just to feel like and then like um something takes a part of me you and i are meant to be just the chorus and everything just i find is very 
it's a very powerful song if you actually just take to it like i don't find it has much to do with the video in regards to the bullet but i just feel like it's a very good song in regards to gets you to pay attention to two different things at the same time fair enough um i mean this song is kind of taking a look at how they feel poured out by the music industry which is definitely a subject they have talked about a whole bunch while also probably being stuck in the music industry because corn is one of the biggest bands out there like whether or not you want to admit it like they can sell like huge european festivals and they got a lot of love in a lot of places whatever north america thinks we are not the world you know um either way uh you're right this song just comes in like really powerful like it just like from the beginning that kind of like sound that kicks in it's engaging you get interested like what nothing sounds like it and then something takes a part of me something lost i've never seen every time i start to believe something's raped and taken from me from me now what i appreciate about that is it's really kind of just describing the feeling of putting trust into anything whether it be a romantic partner whether it be you made an album whether it be you trusted your boss or whatever and then at the end of the day you got fucked and left and discarded at the end because you put faith into the wrong thing so in jonathan's case this is the music industry life's always got to be messing with me can't they chill and let me be free can't they take away all this pain i try to every night all in vain in vain so now it almost correlates like why in the last song he sets it up like we're partying it's debaucherous i know it's a bad thing and then in track two he starts to answer the question with why i feel a little bit the way that i do so in here you know we see Every, I try to believe that things will get better. The vapid reality of the world is that instead I feel like people take advantage of me all sorts of bad ways. Life's fucking around with me. I, I can't even exercise my free will, which at that level of fame, you had bodyguards and all sorts of weird shit going on where like you really feel like paparazzis and stuff are a regular part of your existence and you try to escape. You maybe didn't want that life to the extent. Like I don't think a band like Korn expected to get as famous as Korn did at that time. You know like they became like metallica big and i know that might be a weird thing for people to hear but like they got like fucking huge right so then what do you do you get fucked up every night trying to escape it all sometimes i cannot take this place sometimes it's my life i can't taste sometimes i cannot feel my face and never see me fall from grace and then like you hear that and if you're a 15 year old you're going yeah my life sucks i can't handle the pressures of everything but if you're a successful person or you're trying to cope with being a real person amidst the corporate bullshit of blah blah blahs then you also go yo i can't like as an adult i almost relate to this as much but in a very different way than previously because this is what corporate america which honestly the music industry is just an extension of corporate america it does to people and then i love that last line you'll never see me fall from grace like this this little defiant like no you'll never catch me slipping i will fucking make it through and then the chorus which is where i really learned lyrics i'd never heard before so something takes a part of me everybody knows that line 
You and I were meant to be. I knew that line too. It was pretty clear. A cheap fuck for me to lay. I was like, what? He says a cheap fuck for me to lay? And it was like, so, you know, he's trying to hop on the music industry and have like a good time and enjoy life. But instead, just like when you're trying to smash a one nighter with a dysfunctional chick. And then the next thing you know, it's a 12 month, three, five year relationship where she's controlling you and shit like that. And I'm like, that's a good metaphor. And then, you know, Feeling like a freak on a leash, you wanna see light. You know that part there? Yeah. Oh, every time it just gets me into everything. It's such a beautiful fucking song. He has no release. How many times has he felt diseased? Nothing in his life is free. And then, you know, he does the chorus again and whatnot. And you really get the sense that he's so fucking trapped and he's controlled and everything. And it's like these people are expecting him to drop, like, you know, probably really powerful music and whatnot. So what does he fucking do on that bridge? Boom, da-da-da, boom, da-da-da, boom, da-da. And it's so fucking cool. And it really reminds me a lot of scat vocalist. So, like, the old jazz technique of scat okay. where you would be like, boom, da-ba-da, boom, boom, ba-ba-da, boom, boom. You know, that was an accepted vocal. Basically, what the mumble rappers are doing used to be a praised and accepted vocal technique when done correctly. But when you listen to the way he uses his voice as an instrument, the percussive nature of it, it just fits so fucking perfectly. And then nobody can agree on whether he's saying, so void, boy, fight, whatever. So void, something on the mingaboo, fight something, stay fight. And you're like, he's not really saying anything, but still expresses so much with how he says it and the, the intensity and the emotion of it. Just to like fall back into that something takes up, you know, and you just feel the pain in his soul and shit. And fuck, man, this song is beautiful. I don't know anybody who's ever felt angst that doesn't like this song. Okay, this is an angst anthem. It's a fucking banger. This shit's like, I don't know, pick your favorite Eminem song for like emo bangers. It's like that good in my opinion. It's like yeah. the blueprint for my fucking feeling aggression rate. It's obviously not the first of its kind. But for a lot of people, for a lot of the guys that I grew up listening to, they probably would have been inspired by Korn. Um, anyway, I gave this song obviously a 5 on 5 because I don't think another grade is acceptable for something that's so timeless. Like the fact is, I think this song, as far as, this is a good example of what came out of this uh, genre known as new metal. Yeah, well, I have to agree with you. I have to give it a five on five because as a guy who has Korn as one of his favorite bands throughout the time the song was out, I actually, and it was a good intro to them. And everything with about it, like the lyrics, the video, everything to do with this song, I feel was done so perfectly. So that's why I have to give it a five on five. I mean, there is no other grade that this song does deserve. All right, let's talk about another amazing banger off this Korn album. It's called Got the Life. This is my favorite corn song. Mine like, too. So apparently this shit was laid down over, a, like, a inspired by, like, disco riffs, which is part of why it has that dancey, groovy rhythm under it. Because let's be real. You get your boogie on. If you wanted to talk about a song that you could, like, dance with a girl to that's by corn, this is it. This is a, you can dance and the girl can grind on your little, her booty can be on your little thing thing and it could be a fun time is what I'm trying to say to this corn song more so than say freak on a leash, which she'll be like in front of you, but nobody's like moving and shaking in the same way. You know, this, this has like a rhythm to it. Um, however, this was also another song where I was going, I didn't know any other fucking words. Honestly, I just didn't know. 
I, apparently it's hate something sometime some way something kick off the front door or front floor and i'm like oh ambiguous lyrics describing some kind of whatever hate in a aloof sort of way which makes sense with the core theme of the song mine something inside i'll never ever follow i wish i could do what he could do so give me something that is for real i'll never ever follow i don't know for me i crave real shit in life and i feel like life's a vapid expanse of nothingness a lot of top level shit like it's part of why i have a lot of trouble with sports nobody wants to have real conversations about sports everyone's sports feelings are based off of loyalty and not science everyone it's the most illogical thing in the world is a sports chat so i have a lot of trouble with that shit i like the realness you know and i'm not really into the trendy shit in life as you can probably tell by my lack of general fashion sense and you know reviewing a corn album in 2019 so like definitely not the trendiest motherfucker so when i have that like the way he sings it like so give me some that like he's just craving it and i crave that shit and i don't know something's connected and then get your boogie on and you just want to get your boogie on at that part and then i mean i kind of feel like while i didn't know what the song was about at the same time just the way the music and the way he sings it when I saw the lyrics, I realized I kind of did know what the song was about. So, like, in the last song, we can see his general disdain for the music industry. And this is almost like trying to deal with the fact that while he might hate being in the music industry, it's a fucking weird complaint in general. Like, you got the life, man. You got everything going on. And apparently this music video was so popping. It was the first video that was retired by TRL back when TRL on MTV was a thing. And they they had to move it to a retired status because people were like requesting it so much. So I'm not even kidding when I say Corn was huge. Like it was beating fucking big names and shit. Like keeping people from number one when nobody was expecting it. And then, um, I don't know, in general, you get the sense of he feels like there's a lot of hate out there. There's a lot of darkness. People are kind of following trends. So, you know, give me nothing. Just feel and now this shit will follow. And, you know, it's like, stop trying to feed me garbage. Just, just feel what the fuck is over there. Because maybe he's feeling empty at this point in life and he's just craving it all. And then you have one of the most powerful choruses that I, I honestly think I've heard in a long time now that i know the words so there's a bunch of debate and i'm gonna say i hear god paged me you'll never see the light who wants to see that's what i hear after looking into it now there's debate on that yeah but it fits into it because i know that whatever genius doesn't even agree with me i know it's not the more i see the life that's a weird one but like because like if you think about it he's craving this like depravity from god and then god or like in all the whole world like and he feels like everything's empty and he has like such a like that perspective that god paged me you'll never see the light who wants to see god told me i've already got the life oh i say so it's almost like you're here in this position you'll never appreciate it you'll never see like the light of understanding that you're looking for you've got this all and you still feel kind of empty with it you know and then it just gets this crushing part for verse two where it's like you know that each day i can feel it swallow inside that they took from me um i, I don't want to feel your deathly ways and there's like these hidden words he says that are so fucking hard to ki- yeah. pick up because even if if you look on the lyrics it goes i don't feel your deathly ways but if you really listen 
he says, I don't want to feel your deathly lace, but the wanna is just like tucked in so you can barely hear it. And then he has this whole like build up to dance with me, dance with me, whatever. And then he screams out the chorus one more time. And then he's going, got the life, got the life, got the life. And then the last one, it's God's a lie. It's not got the life. He goes, God's a lie. When he like stops saying got the life. <laughs> he says God's a lie on the yeah. last one. And I was like, I never caught any of this before. This is fucking pretty shit. It's like fucking sick. So all things considered, I love this song from the sound perspective of it. Like I was saying to Bonnie, uh, who my girlfriend thinks this is, corn is like a repellent to her. She, she really doesn't like corn that much. But uh, I was telling her, like, if I had to die and there was, like, or I was on an island and I have a hundred songs, because I started thinking, like, what would be, like, the hundred songs I'd put on that island with me? I'm pretty sure Got the Life by Korn beats out, like, most music and is in, like, the higher end of that list. It's definitely not top 50, but I still think it makes the list of top hundred songs of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I'm going to have to give this song an automatic five on five. Yeah, I it's mean, a five. Yeah, this is one of my favorite Korn songs as well. This is probably my favorite Korn song. And when I first saw them, they actually closed off with this after they did their encore. Because, like, I knew they were going to have to play this song. It's they're definitely, they had to retire it on TRL. So that just proves it. But this song, I just, I actually want to go with you on the chorus. I actually thought it was. I would love was, to hear your version because yeah. I could be wrong. Well, the second part I agree with. The first part is what I what I heard was. God rings me, you'll never see the light, the one you still see. Interesting. Yeah, that's what I heard. Okay, but even to hmm, because that's like it's it's similar to what I'm like it would like change yeah. the meaning slightly, but still be in the same vein of like yeah, you can't idea. see like what's in front of your face, man. It's it's crazy how like a song this big people don't even really know a hundred percent what the words so are. So people in the comments, if you guys do know something, definitely we definitely want to hear it because if it's a debate that still goes on till this day, so the most input we can get would definitely be the most help. Oh, uh, but this so song it was is... this one. Apparently, Brian Welch, uh, who oh, said, yeah, he confirms it's God paged me. Oh, However, okay. the part that comes after that yeah. is still up for debate. Oh, okay. So it is God pages me. But yeah. even like God ring me, God paged me. At that yeah. point, it's kind of... I, I Before this review, I always thought it was God saved me. Oh, okay. And I was very wrong. And now I'm like, okay, God paged me makes more sense. Ring me too also yeah, makes more sense. Same idea, same perspective. Like, just gets in contact pretty much is what uh, I feel the meaning was for it. But I just feel it's a very powerful song because, like, just everything, and especially the guitaring at the end when he says God's a lie, and you're hearing the slow guitar, the da -na -na, and you're hearing it live, it's like the best way to end a show because you're just seeing, like, the banners come down and you're just seeing everything, like, end. It's a, just a perfect end, like, because you're seeing David the guitarist get up and throwing his drumsticks in the crowd and just seeing the band apart. It's just nothing is like this is just a perfect end to it fair enough so yeah i think we can all agree including you watching this video that this is a magnificent corn experience um then we're gonna venture into territory of i've never heard it before which is probably where i was at with the rest of this album and we'll start that journey with dead bodies everywhere all right mike what do you think about this one well i think it's a very fun song especially at the beginning when you're hearing a little like uh 
When you're hearing that, you're like, what the hell is this? Like, you're like, okay, I know corn, but what the hell is this going to lead to? And then you're just hearing the strong guitar go into it. And I just love uh, the chorus, like, the dead bodies everywhere. And then, like, at the end, we're just going, dead bodies everywhere. And, like, I just find it's a very fun song. It was one that a bunch of guys in school and I used to sing in, um, actually, in high school in uh, grade 8, actually, right before I saw them. A lot of the guys would sing this uh sing this in class and stuff whenever the teachers weren't paying attention obviously but um yeah it was one that we'd sing a lot in class because like they'd always the guys who i'd sing it with would always sing the end just dead bodies everywhere i'm like no 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 you have to sing the whole song but i just enjoy this one a lot it's a very fun song especially but lyrically what they are saying with dead bodies everywhere is something that's also you have to look at in regards to what it does mean do you know what it means not fully Awesome. So uh, this is why um, I am very grateful for people who tell me what to Google. Um, so apparently his dad worked at a morgue. Jonathan Davis? Yeah. Okay. So this song is on a top level exploring the conformity of having your parents want you to go into a specific occupation. In this case, I'm going to assume a little bit that he doesn't want his son to go off and be a rock star because, you know, you don't want to ever have your kid go off and do that dream job shit you always tell them go to school get your degree go blah 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 and all that shit that parents will tell you and uh sometimes the parents are right sometimes you wish they'd let you do your thing um and then he is that wanted him to work in the morgue so in a sense without that context it's kind of a really creepy song and it's still a really creepy song because i don't think everybody would have like really knowing that context but that's a good example of an artist writing a song for themselves not giving a fuck if you get the message and that's cool i respect that art because come on step inside and you will realize tell me what you need tell me what to be what's your vision you'll see what do you expect of me i can't live that lie so like i mean who of us has not had a parent or somebody disagree with our dreams of the future and try to encourage us to live in a certain way and uh i think it's a really interesting transition from like the theme of the album right so i mean there's a clear correlation what's on is like the debauchery is not so good freak on a leash takes us to the point of looking into how he feels because of the music industry got the life is more of this like internalized pain of of feeling unsatisfied in light of having the life that you're you know maybe always craved for and then you go back even further to the childhood trauma with like dead bodies everywhere where you're looking at you know something that was like part of his past a little bit being surrounded literally by like fucking dead bodies everywhere and then having like his dad be like this is what i need from you this is what you're gonna be this is whatever okay i can appreciate how that could manifest into that kind of verse that it is and it really is like i mean my dad did not want me to pursue a career in music i uh fail i've not achieved a lot of success in a career in music but at the same time if i had started when i was 15 who fucking knows you know whereas now i'm doing what i can on my little grind i'm you know making these reviews i'm producing shit on my own and whether or not people listen is not the point it's still like what i'm doing but my dad wanted me to go to school go into sciences study and well i never lived that life because that, that was that would have been a lie it would have been somebody else's dream and i think that's what makes this cool 
And then, hate a sick mom with a fucked dad, dealing with your life, dead bodies everywhere. You really want me to be a good son? Why you make me feel like no one? And I think, I mean, in the context of understanding his dad deals with dead bodies everywhere and shit, and everyone's all fucked up, and he's hating his life, he's like, yo, why do you make me feel like such a loser? You know, if I thought you want me to be a good son, why don't you build me up? And, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty, like standard but at the same time i don't think a lot of people were like describing this kind of life experiences so explicitly in at this time right like it might be like today everybody's a sad rapper talking about this shit everywhere but i think it's pretty bold all things considered i don't know second verse kind of is like let me be free i'm gonna go live my life i'm not gonna be what you want etc and then it just kind of flows out from there and then you have your outro at dead bodies everywhere but like especially with another song that we'll talk about a little bit later on on this album growing up in a morgue must really fuck you up right like i saw six feet under that shit didn't look pleasant you know like you're literally surrounded by dead bodies so like with that context i'm like wow like this is like a really cool song of like not feeling supported in your dreams but giving you almost like the worst example of how it could play out like yo don't go be a rock star come hang out with the dead bodies yo the morgue money's gonna be real good buddy let's just do it you're gonna make all the money you know like that's how i feel like it went down like he had his whatever still in a way this song is actually telling you to follow your dreams yeah i think it really is or at least saying don't impose your dreams on others hear out what they have to say in a kind of convoluted backwards way musically though you can really hear a like almost that corn feel but then they have their kind of lyric riffs but then in between that they really floss some creepy technical rhythms and shit the slower down stuff they do that sounds really like specific and well done in my opinion i really enjoyed the musicking on this uh, I give it a 4.35 on 5. Like, to me, it's a good song. It's really great. I mean, it's not Got the Life Freak on a Leash great, but I also haven't listened to it as long as I've listened to those two songs. I feel like this is one that will grow on you over time. And if I'm ever angsty again on the future, is definitely something I would be going to. Well, I'm going to give this 4.5 on 5. I think it's a good song for the album. But one thing I also wanted to add on this, I think this would be a good song to be played like during a horror movie when someone's about to get killed. Mm. As in like the whole beginning with the whole like um, carousel theme type the little song that's playing before they actually guitar in. But I feel it is a good like typical guitar thing, but I find it's a very noir type uh, song as well. But I'm going to give it a 4.5 on 5. I feel it's a song that... If you're gonna listen to the album this is one that you definitely should be listening to the next song caught me off guard let's talk about children of the corn um mike how do you feel about children of the corn this is actually one of my favorite songs on the album um, i'm also a big ice cube fan i've seen ice cube twice I've seen him once at this uh, festival we have in Quebec called montebello uh, rock fest which is no longer around uh, Korn was actually at the same festival. I was surprised they didn't sing this song together when they were uh, both performing because they were both on different days. But I was hoping they were going to do this live, but they didn't. Uh, but I just feel like Ice Cube's uh, burst in because I feel this is like Jonathan Davis just going really hard to understand style. And then you have Ice Cube being pretty clear with what he's saying. And um, I just heard when they were recording the song in the studio, they were, it was really like. Like louder than Ice Cube and Corn were suspecting, and uh, but um, 
I just find it's a very cool song, like the way Ice Cube's verse comes in, spitting really fast when Jonathan Davis had his style going really slower earlier, but I just feel the song is great, like when Ice Cube's going, um, like talking about like with his dick in his hand and stuff. Fair enough. Um, I definitely was not expecting Ice Cube because it's not credited like in like the Spotify or whatever so you're looking at it and you're like who is that Ice Cube attention all parents report to your local therapist I'm like what the fuck and then Jonathan starts singing and like the court so you know when like you hear new metal and it's like trying to go a little rappy just for the sake of the rapper like and that's a little bit what this beat's doing okay now I don't say that like it's a bad thing. I say that like it's one of my favorite fucking things to ever happen in music. Like when new metal-ish kind of bands deliberately have actual rappers rapping. So the like rapping... Linkin Park and Korn? I mean Linkin Park and Jay-Z? That's different because that was very much like they were repurposing existing oh, shit. Okay. Like like this would be a really good example actually. Okay. Or most recently when In This Moment did a song with Exhibit and uh it was really fucking cool anyway like when bands like deliberately go and they make the rap parts and shit and i feel like that's what they did here and it was cool but i don't jonathan davis has been a little confusing but he's going glaring into my son's eyes reveals a pain um i felt her in the day it was all about the pussy if you can get it a little girl like me never fucking liked it so he's thinking back on being like uh, a teenager and shit and he's looking at his son and i guess reminiscing back in the day when it was all about getting girls and a little faggot like him was never able to get the girls so that was the implication it was an obtuse way of like insulting himself because obviously since he couldn't get girls or he wasn't showing interest like they were he must have been a little fruitcake uh, and then they would have insulted him in that regard and so it was kind of like an a, a obtuse way of looking at that and then he, that's how he got bullied and shit and then uh ice cube comes in like we ain't taking no more like yeah now he's hooked up with the big uh ice cube and you're gonna fuck around and then you know the chorus so save me and the children are born you feel it through me you're the children of the corn and i feel like it's a bit of a rallying cry for the other degenerates of life to like band together and, and like you know i was bullied in high school i'm like yeah we're the children of the corn that kind of shit and then ice cube gives a super generic verse but really fun to listen to you know, my favorite part is fucked a lot with my dick in my hand. We coming through Generation Triple X. We all about the weed smoking kinky sex. How the fuck? If Ice Cube's calling out our parents' generation as that shit. How is it the millennials' fault again? All of y'all were doing this shit before the millennials was doing this shit. We inherited this behavior. We just used Twitter to film ourselves doing it like stupid fools. That's the difference. We put it on camera. Y'all were doing it first. Anyway. Jonathan Davis further tells us, you know, whatever, got fag, called a fag of my life, then I got it so fine, it's so pretty like me, so figure once a fag, now a player, baptized and reborn, I'm the children of the corn. So they called me a fag for being a loser and not being able to get the girls. Now I'm Jonathan Davis, the front man of one of the biggest bands in the world, and the girls I can get are better than the girls you'll ever dream of getting. I'm the children of the corn. Then Ice Cube kicks in, fuck authority, hit your ass in the head with my 40, your girls see more of me after school you better run to your car classically anyway his rap is actually fucking fresh i'm not trying to downplay it it's just the children of the corn was born from your porn ass twisted ass ways now you look amazed like it's definitely 
you're just not expecting to hear Ice Cube doing this shit on this album. I think it's brilliant. Like, I really enjoyed listening to it. I just, oh man, it's just so fucking random. And then, like, you got the outro where it's like, how are you going to tell me how to live my life? How are you going to tell me how to do some shit, etc.? Which is funny that the guys their age are now telling the millennials and younger how to live. I just want to throw it out there. How funny. How the generation. Now they're all the parents doing it. But how to, how to fuck, how to kiss. And it's good. It's, it's like calling out, you know, parental intervention and saying, yo, you can be part of that group of misfits who breaks the norms and, like, breaks free. Fuck the way it's supposed to be. Fuck authority. We're going to be ourselves. And it has... I, look, the part about this song that makes it truly corny is the ad-libs. Jonathan Davis's little ad-libs under Ice Cube and Ice Cube's like, oh, and grunts and shit. Under, it's like, like... Insanity. Like, it's just so... It's, it's, it's insane. It's ridiculous. It's amazing. I didn't know I needed to hear this in my life and now my life is better having heard it and I say that sincerely. I give this song a 4.5 on 5. It is really cool and I wish we had more tracks like this from this era to bump through. Yeah, I'm going to give it a five. It's one of my favorite songs on the album. If I'm going to listen to this album at all, this is one of the songs that I have to listen to. I mean, it's just a great al- It's a great song, and I don't know if it's uh, aiming for like the actual horror movie Children of the Corn at all. It was probably titled a little bit after that. Yeah, maybe also the children on the cover of the album could be the Children of the Corn as well. And they must recognize their fan base is not a bunch of 40-year-old men. Oh yeah, especially at that point as well. Uh, but I do feel like that's what their fan base was, Children of the Corn. Because we were young, we were children. But also at the same time, I feel like just everything with Ice Cube is just like, We ain't taking it no more. We ain't taking it no more. Just like the way like he, he, like he just jumps in. Like It's something that people weren't expecting because there's a few songs with featurings on this album. Oh, yeah. And none of them are mentioned on the actual back. Some none of them people, are credited, so. Somebody gave a great defense for that in the comments saying sometimes it's just about listening to the art. I, I don't know. Maybe they would have. Maybe they felt that if they had advertised Ice Cube being there, it might have been interpreted the wrong way. But I Not necessarily because he yeah. was on Family Values with them in 1998. But, like, I don't know if the world was ready for that kind of a feature on an album yet, okay? I mean, it was cool for a very niche group of people. I don't know if it was widespread cool yeah. yet. Because he actually sang this on stage with them for Family Values in no, 1998. I, I, yeah. I understand. I believe that. But, like outside of their tour i don't know if that would have been the smartest choice like because you would have received all the blogger hate and oh ice cubes fucking you know, the court album and, and yeah you're just trying to back uh, backpack off another someone else's success or something but, but i like this song this was totally worth yeah here. exactly so i'm gonna give it once again five on five so apparently the next one stands for big black cock to be clear it wasn't about dicks that i was saying it um it's how he named Jack Daniels and Coke that they would sell in Europe in small bottles and blah, blah, blah. That's where the big black cock uh, comes from, the BBK. And this song, I believe, is again about intoxication. And again, I got this little Jonathan Davis quote, which I feel like when I know what he wrote about, it takes away from my interpretation. I feel like I'm just looking for what he said in it after. So kind of sad I know that. But like this song is just kind of like dealing with pressures and shit you know so you see i've gotten this far please give me some place to rage i'm not trying to go there so take me away life sometimes pisses me off it's never a good trip for me every time i reach for love is taken away 
so we're back in that like same frame of mind where like we saw earlier when you in a freak in a leash where it's like you can't ever really catch a break or things aren't really necessarily working in his world and it's sometimes a little more complicated which then just really is expounded upon in the chorus so night so i play we understand what that means from it's on so he's going to go down that debaucherous path give me a sign this is day and it's like all of a sudden it's the daytime and like yo what the fuck man oh maybe even daytime is the sign to stop fucking partying and like focus for a second give me some patience so i pray it's time to die is that what i want and it's like he's not satisfied to a point where he's like literally considering death and shit you know that's how he's feeling that's what leads him to drinking and shit that's what leads him down the path and i think that looking at it in a in hindsight i actually really respect what jonathan davis is doing with these songs because it takes a lot of courage to like expose your worst insecurities like that to even just discuss why you're into the world that you're in most people look at it like it's fun and i feel like he's painting it like it's this miserable nightmare which probably better reflects the reality of drinking that much alcohol and like like it's not like it sounds cool until you really think about it when you're a little bit older and you're going i would never really want to live like that that's just me though because when you're younger you're seeing it as something completely as fun and stuff but when you're older and you've actually experienced like a few drunken nights and stuff you don't like really and like you look at it differently it's like you try to picture like every day for like years because you're miserable you're just yeah, exactly. literally drowning your sorrows he's not doing it to have fun anymore just doing it because you need it in you or like the second verse says there's nothing wrong with wanting to be loved is there something wrong with me for once in my life i'd really like to be free let me be me and you just hear those words and that's a man who's going through some shit you know like he feels empty he feels alone he's feeling like he's going through hard times and then again goes throughout the the situation of trying to escape through the intoxicants and whatnot and the lifestyle i guess which is probably like this weird cycle where the more success you end up having the worse this gets because people probably don't like you i mean if you listen to hip-hop you know all about what happens once you get some money nobody don't trust anyone anymore it's fucking awful it's probably the same thing for the rock stars um you get a little bit more of that like dog noise sound is where he's like making mouth sounds and again i like it because it reminds me of scat and i think he really understands properly how to use his voice as an emo uh, as an instrument on the track i feel like structurally this song flows through it it doesn't like really stand out to me at the end of the day i don't want to call it filler because it's not it really has its own unique experience it just compared to some of the other ones i feel like it it just works as a good old almost corn by numbers i want to say song like this is the one that i feel like the least imprinted into my brain when all is said and done however while i listen to it i find it really enjoyable because i really like the overall sounds that they use so i give it a 4.25 on five yeah i'm gonna give this a 3.75 on five um i find it was a good song but after a few of the other ones i find it was basically like a more of a come down song after uh, the bangers that i feel personally they were bangers before uh but i do feel this is just a tale about his life as how it turned out to be this way where he's surrounded by just getting fucked up all the time with alcohol and drugs all the time, but mainly alcohol in this one, considering what the name's based off of. But I feel this is just a tale of 
how he is right now where his state of mind is into it's just of i just want to party and drink because of my life is just right now and it's not the way i was expecting whether that's in a good or bad way but it's still pretty much life when you're on the road and just to forget about all the darknesses people decide to drown their sorrows away in alcohol or in drugs and i feel this is just explaining how he is doing it right now and how he actually is living his life at that moment when actually it came out so i just feel that this song is also a come down to everybody else like just to like you know relax after the other ones were great i mean it's still a good song i still enjoy it but i just feel that um in regards to everything that comes off it's more of uh, just like just relaxes me more after hearing everything else but it feels a good song but just pretty much explaining his uh his downfall all right well the next one on the album takes a darker turn as we discuss pretty i gotta say they really as a band understand how to use a bridge to like really breathe life back into the song because you'll often find that it's like verse one chorus verse two there's another chorus and then crazy ass fucking bridge and then culminates into the chorus again now while is that formulaic yeah it's like half a rock music but is it fucking good yeah because corn manages to do it in a fucking crazy interesting way what do you think about this song i think it's a good song i mean in general like you're just hearing pretty much uh like you were just saying about how the verses are coming out like that and the, the choruses as well but it is a noir type song in regards to the feel of it it is actually like a typical style corn song i mean lyrically it has a very dark theme so one day when he's in the morgue a little girl came in with some broken ass legs and apparently the father had done some very horrible things to this little girl and then thrown her away and she died and so when you look at the lyrics so so young uh but i don't realize small white legs broke the pain between her thighs i skipped some words on purpose youtube might demonetize the video just because of using those words um you look at that and you're like oh that's a literal thing that's not like fucking fake it's like he was in the morgue one day as a kid or whatever and this unfortunate person comes in and he like looks at her i see her pretty face smashed against the bathroom floor what a disgrace who do i feel sorry for and then it's like man does he feel sorry for her, for this kid for what happened to the kid or you know he's haunted for the rest of his life over this and it's like i don't know the second verse kind of flows in and it's like how could someone steal a life how could somebody like do this shit and i mean he's right like this is some horrific level monstrous crap and it fucked him up and that's what gets explored as the bridge it goes kind of psychotic with it is he they really play with the flows and shit on a bridge in a way where i don't think because a lot of bands go like straight to a solo it's almost like jonathan davis gets incorporated into the solo to like make it a more riveting experience and the way that bridge just plays out i wait too late now i feel hurt inside take my soul away away and it's like when you again look at how he layered the song it's like bbk kind of explores again the debauchery but then 
We understand that there's that morgue situation that we get introduced to just earlier from his dad and then following it up, look at this horrible situation that transpired while I was involved in this like morgue thing. And when you realize it's like this true story thing that happened to him and whatnot, it's just super powerful and you feel his pain and he does such a good job of conveying to all of us the torture of having to live with the knowledge of seeing that like it's one thing to to, for us to picture it maybe he had to like see that not know what happened here and then realize and then yeah man it's fucked up so i guess a 4.5 on 5 it's not a comfortable song to listen to but it's really cool for like a song yeah definitely and like i said earlier about the noir dark feel to it because of definitely how it's uh regarded to um child abuse in several different ways sexual abuse and physical abuse as well about how that girl came in and i just want to say from jonathan davis's point of view that's something that no child should ever have to be introduced to that's something that no child should have to see something like that to learn about at such a young age and to have to experience it firsthand to see what it was and discovering what actually happened it's got to leave scars on you and this is probably his therapy way of getting it out pretty much like just in order to instead of discussing it with one person he's discussing it with literally millions and this is a song with a lot of controversy to it because of the the background behind it but it is a good story to be told because even though it's not something comfortable it's something that people do need to be aware of especially in nowadays times as well with everything going on but I do feel it's a very powerful song. Um, yeah, well, you have to give it 4.5 on 5. Um, but as Holden said, not comfortable. But a very good and powerful song. But it's one that I do feel if you want to hear a good story. Or if you're a fan of uh, controversy and stuff like that. Um, it's something that you should take a listen to. I just want to point out though that I don't not believe that Jonathan Davis was trying to be controversial. I think he was treating this shit like therapy. This was his experience and he shared it and people just ran with it and made it more controversial. Whereas there are bands that deliberately use this type of subject matter for shock value. I don't think that's what Jonathan does here. Yeah, so. neither do I. I feel it was just therapeutic. But on the next song, let's just get rid of all of our seriousness because we got a special guest as we talk about All in the Family. If you thought that I was like feeling away when Ice Cube showed up, when you hear that, say what, say what, and you don't realize at first because you don't, you really don't. You, you kind of think Mop Dick's bigger than yours, whatever. You're thinking, this is weird. And it's got that like more rappy style new metal feel kicking in and you're like this sounds good and then fred durst just shows up and goes too bad i got your beans in my bag you stuck up sucker corny motherfucker, motherfucker. taking overflows in the limp pip pimp need a biscuit to save the crew from john D D davis and then it clicked what the fuck this was this was a battle rappy styled song of jonathan davis and Fred Durst going at each other. As a person who didn't know this existed, you have got to understand how fucking wonky the idea of this existing is to me. And 
Fred Durst is corny like a motherfucker. I'm going to drop a little east side skill. Yeah, step back because I'm going to kill. I'm going to kill. So what you thinking, Mr. Raggedy Man? Doing all you can to look like Raggedy Ann. Yeah. Oh, that's the level of dishes we're getting on this song. It is so corny. Yeah, even Drunken Diva saying you look like one of those dancers from the Hanson video, you little faggot. Just the way like... It's like, uh, check yeah. you out, Pug. Yes, I know you feel it. Now, you got to understand, he's, he's not rapping. He's like singing at him. Yeah. You look like one of those dancers from the Hanson video, you little faggot. Oh, please give me some shit to wank with, because right now I'm all at it. Kids suck my dick like your daddy did. Who the fuck you think you're talking to right after? But, I mean, like, yeah. hold on. Jonathan Davis just asked Fred Durst to perform fellatio like his dad did, which means that already Fred Durst got his dick sucked by, by the dad, which I never understood those line of insults. It's not really that good. No, but uh, just the way Fred Durst came back with like a quick thing, like who the fuck you think you're talking yeah, to? Yeah, but I'm known for eating little whiny chumps like all up in my face with the, that. Oh, are you ready? And I'm just like, okay, okay, that's not that great. Uh, nappy, nappy, hairy chest. Look, it's Austin Powers. I hear you tweeting on them fag pipes, Clyde. But you said it best there's no place to hide what the fuck you're saying you're a pimp whatever limp dick fred durst needs to rehearse when you, i was like done i'm like i can't believe i'm saying this but i'm giving it to fucking fred durst no matter what gets said because that was the worst fucking battle line ever needs to reverse what he's saying want to be funk dubious when you're playing ripping up a bad counterfeit fake plus your bills on playing that was pretty cool because three dollar bill and this song is garbage. It's it's garbage if you think about it. It's amazing when you think about it. It's both. This is shit that is so bad. It is actually yeah. really, really good. So because I happen to be 31 right now, meaning I was like 12 when these guys were fucking hot as shit in the world. Um, I have a high level of nostalgic appreciation to listening to these two try to diss each other and shit. Objectively speaking you call yourself a singer you're more like jerry springer your favorite band is winger and all you eat is zingers you're like a fruity pet this is garbage so you're from jacksonville kicking it like buffalo bill getting butt fucked by your uncle chuck while your sister's on her knees waiting for your little peanut this is like the kind of jokes we would have told when we were 12 yeah true definitely but i feel at the same time like considering who's in the song it makes it that much fun to listen to because at the same time you always wondered like i mean you didn't but like people were always wondering like who would be better like who's better corner limp biscuit and this is like a battle way to figure it out type thing but it's like you it's know corny they're as hell. like friends right because mm -hmm. like they they called it all in the family because you know corn then comes on the tour and i guess that's for family I values hate yeah. you and you hate me you know what you know what it's all in, in the, the family. family so it's kind of like saying yeah we're brothers who are going to beef and have some fun yeah we love it it's but man and we performed this on Halloween. So and allow me values. to say that this is the first time I've ever understood why hip hop may have had a problem with new metal. It is this song, because it almost sounds like a mockery of, of legitimate and authentic battle rap. Yeah, it sounds a especially bit, the end. Don't oh god with the whole oh no, but fuck you. It's, and I love you, and I want you, and I'll suck you, and I'll fuck you, and I'll butt fuck you, and I'll eat you, and I'll lick your little dick, motherfucker. And then Fred just goes, say what? what? Say what? what? 
And I'm like, you could tell that they were just really fucking high. Like, they'd done a lot of blow or whatever they were doing. And they did this song, and everybody thought it was a good idea. And this is... This is probably the hardest song anyone will ever have to defend as a Korn fan for its existence. Because, like, the only reason you're going to like this song is if you already like Limp Bizkit and Korn. And some part of you likes the idea of watching these guys be corny at each other. Like, it's, it's a, in my opinion, a small group of people that are going to think this is amazing. I think this is fun. I don't know if I'm going to call it amazing. I enjoyed listening to this because I happen to be in the group of people that does like Limp Bizkit and Korn and, and kind of loves the idea of them together. It's a 4.25. Maybe if I'd grown up with this, I'd feel a certain way about it. But damn, this is the corniest battle rap I ever done heard. Well, I'm going to have to give this a 5 out of 5. I mean, I grew up with it. That's the difference. I was actually like um, 10, 11 when I got the album and heard it. So, and at, and at the same time, being that young and hearing a song with a bunch of swearing and dissing at each other, it was pretty fun for me. And the thing is, like you said, it's corny as hell, but it's nostalgic. And that's the feeling I have personally because of at this point, not only was Corn my favorite band, but Limp Biscuit was also my favorite band as well. It was also up there too, because those are my two favorite bands at that point and hearing two of them working together for it um was great and especially since they performed this at family values on halloween just like throwing shit at each other like having fun on stage with it they just i think it's just two bands getting together getting fucked up having a lot of fun and recording something and dissing each other I as totally a joke get it it's just the 90s was not the best with funny oh no definitely this is not. like the worst of frat humor no, because of the way, if you look at a lot of stuff in the 90s, like then and now, like for example, if you watch Austin Powers then and now. I can't. Exactly. I, I, for a long, I've given up comedy from that. I don't think anything like back then is that funny that we all used to think was like, I don't think any of it is anymore. Exactly. That's why I'm just saying it's different times, but some, Which, some uh, things stick, some things don't. No, no, and I respect that. And I'm not trying to say that other people won't find it yeah. funny. I'm saying the quality of rhyming as a person who has reviewed a couple hundred rap albums at this point is going, this is some garbage rhyming. Oh, definitely. I'm not saying it's any like, top-notch rap. <laughs> I mean, like, it, 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 it's fine. It is, I'm happy I heard this song. I'm happy I know it exists. And I, I, I could listen to this again. It's, this is the kind of shit I would, I would throw on to make fun of it for the rest of my life. Okay, well, I think it's a fun song in general is the fact that it is two guys who pretty much, I think, set the standard for new metal. Oh, I agree. They were involved in it. And I'm not even saying anything bad about the significance of it. I'm saying, objectively speaking... This is a whack song that I'm oh. happy I heard. That's all I'm trying to say. Oh, and I actually love the wording that you use for that because of that's exactly what the song is. But I enjoyed it. I grew up with it. To me, it's just something now, that's nostalgic. If I was 12, this is hilarious. And I think that's the problem. I was 11 so when I first heard it. So. But I think that's kind of the problem with this song is it's super funny for kids. And actually, I was using some of these disses at EBS. Sometimes I was like, my dick is bigger than yours. That's a fucking amazing. Yeah. EBS is the elementary school that we both went to. Yeah. On that note, Reclaim My Place is the next one on this album. So I appreciate like the diversity in this song and like the faster kind of erratic pace that seems to be going on with it. And again, just that what the fuck? Like as a youth, that intro alone has me because you want to scream out with him. As a growing up, I'm going, 
Oh, this is the I used to get bullied and now I want to take back my throne song. And unfortunately, my mind space is not there anymore. So it was a little bit harder to connect to this one. It's like there's this thing that grown men like to do when they make music like this. And it's to pretend they're 16 forever. And so they don't really do a lot of capturing the imagination of the people in their 30s. But fuck, if I was a 16-year-old, this song is the shirt. Um, I don't know, how do you feel about it? Well, I feel this song is also just Jonathan Davis showing off all his talents in regards to what his voice can do, mm. because I find he does switch around the style a lot in this song, and that's what I feel what uh, he meant to do as well in regards to, that's why when you said the whole thing about Take His Throne, that's why he wanted to show you all his talents, his, all his, everything he could do with his voice and all his talent in this song, because I feel this is a song where not just him but the band as well is showing off how diverse they can be and showing off different levels of intensity yeah i completely agree with that because like it starts off strong it has that again they have a really good control of the slower parts and i think that's where you can see the differentiation between top tiered talented musician types and the ones that are a little bit whack because a lot of people can go fast Going fast is a lot easier to like correct and polish to make everything sound good. Going slow is where it gets fucking tricky to still sound good. And I, and I like the fact that they can blend those two multiple experiences into the same song. Lyrically, it's uh, fine. I'm so numb, therefore I can't relate. I'm so dumb, there's nothing to hate. Really, is it me or is it fate? Give me peace or a release for fuck's sake. This picture being in high school and, you know, you're so numb. People don't like, you know, don't like you, so you shelter yourself off. People just think you're a dumb idiot. Nobody likes you, blah, blah, blah. Give them something to say. Something super fly never played. All I hear is disgrace. Erase them all and reclaim my place. Bunch of haters. Fuck the haters. I'm going to do me. I mean, basically, this song is what a lot of hip-hop is. Fuck the haters, I'm going to do me and win. Um, in the past, he was a freak, and then he went ahead and got himself a band, and oh, no, even his band picks on him, so whatever. You know, then he claims his place, and he's getting super strong with it. And then uh, he kind of questions uh, in the third verse as he looks around with a bunch of people trying to be like him, etc. Well, you, you can't relate to me. You can't be like me. You think you feel my hate? Look at me and you will find my fate. You always raped. I'll always be the same. You want to fuck with me? Come on, fucking play. And you just get the sense that now a lot of people are trying to connect with him and be involved in his world and stuff. But everyone's just kind of exploiting his pain and his past experiences in his life as a tool to help them with their pain and their relations. And nobody really cares about him and so he's coming here to you know stake his sanity claim again i'm not 100 percent sure what the goal of this song is except that he wants to express that i guess people mistreated him his whole life and now he's here to like be the man so what the fuck a whole bunch and it's all right i'm okay with this one it's got a great energy fucking bounced around to it i feel like this is like a good standard i don't know if i would actually remember it except for like like this is not one in the grand scheme of all the corn songs i've heard that like i'm gonna remember in six months it's a good song but i'm not like i will remember the fred Durst song i might remember this one as much but i feel like there's a much better song so i give it a 4.25 on five yeah, I'm going to give it the same 4.25 because I feel this is just him just trying to express of, yeah, I, in the past I might have been uh, an outcast, I might have not been liked, I might have not been popular, but now 
look at me now, motherfuckers. Like, I'm on the top. I'm making millions. I can order what I want to. I only started this CD until I got the cocaine that I demanded and the demands were met. Yeah. So it's like he's showing, like, what he's, like, he's pretty much expressing. Yeah, I might have not been the person when I was younger, but I'm the man right now. And that's why I just feel like this song was. Like you said, it's not something that's memorable. Like, I have to say, like, because of the fact that we were doing this review, I actually was listening to the words and I was just figuring it out. I'm like, okay, yeah, I never realized it back then, but based on actually listening to it and breaking down everything that we're doing for you guys right now, I just feel like it gives me a whole different uh, concept of the song. It wasn't something, it wasn't one that I played a lot when I got the album, but listening to it now, I mean, I do feel it is that, but as Holden said, it's not as memorable as All in the Family, because All in the Family is definitely a song that you'll remember off this album. I feel like another one that you're going to remember off this album is actually the next track, which is called Justin. Oh, yeah. This song has a pretty cool use of effects on the voice of Jonathan Barnes. And I think, like, conceptually, it's an interesting song, too, right? So, essentially, this Justin kid uh, wants to meet Korn as his last wish, and he's terminal and all of that stuff. And uh, it really put a lot of pressure on Jonathan Davis, because I guess it's like, wow, this is the last thing this kid wants is to meet us. So you got to live up to their expectations. You can't disappoint the kid. All sorts of other shit. So he like wrote this song to kind of vent out, I guess, the feelings where it starts off with a fuck all that bullshit. You know, I can kind of see how looking back with how many songs just kind of start off with fuck that. Maybe at a superficial level, it looks a certain way. But um, you look into it. You watch me play. I look away. Your light's too bright. You found the light. So this kid has his essence, he's got his essence, um, he's watching him play, but he can't look at this person because understanding what's going to happen to him is so significant, even though this kid is just enthralled to like, you know, see corn and do their shit, you know? And then in that moment, what you're creating for that kid, take off in space, you and I, if you think about it, it's like you're creating this magical connection, this little... I guess moment really where it's like the music and the experience lets you take off and escape like the actual circumstances which are you're gonna die that's the second verse like he's blind right he's not really in the subtlety want to meet me why i wish i had your strength inside your your soul escapes so he's like why the fuck do you want to meet me and like like how am i that motivational like I, and then he's almost like looking at this kid who's facing the end probably looking really strong and you know like these kids at the end they always look like they have this strength that i don't even know that i could muster up at all and i think i'm doing okay in life you know and then the chorus kicks in you get the third verse crying to me give me something all right the kids that die listening to me you are alive and then i guess it's just almost accepting the fact that you can be this positive force for these people so if there's one kid that feels like that way there's probably more than one and it's almost like a dedication to justin along with everyone else out there that like relies on corn to get through a harder time a little bit and then here like here's this moment take off in space you and i stay and it's just like we're gonna create this memory this immortalized thing so justin gets to live forever almost through this song and as they're taking off in space the vocal effects get really creepy i feel like just the guitaring in this it feels so distinct on this album like they were trying to create more of a, a riff that is like something that will 
sound different compared to what we previously heard all of the complexity of it really works out well i feel like it's this crazy like interesting spacey experience that really conveys like this anxious curiosity that jonathan was feeling in that moment and it's still kind of sweet when all said and done um i get this on 4.5 on 5 i really fucking liked it yeah i like the whole tribute feel as well i'm gonna give it 4.5 as well i feel it was um very interesting song based on the fact that this kid wanted to actually meet corn for his last wish i mean i met corn myself and to me it was like a huge deal because meeting your favorite band people that you feel have got you through a lot of shit where that's probably what i felt probably this kid wanted to meet them for was to actually do that so based on if the whole 12 song thing at the beginning was dedication and the fact that this song is also like a dedication to him i feel that he should definitely look down on this and feel that his actual will to want to meet Korn and be so strong actually had that much of the imp- of an impact on the band that he admired so much. The fact that they played, they made something that's also gonna live, to have his soul live on. Yeah, super powerful, super cool song. But one thing, just the way they started that second verse, he just says straight up, "You are gonna die," and yeah, just he's being straight up about what's gonna happen to him. So. Yeah, man. And it's interesting just placement wise, right? Because you have him like reclaiming his place or trying to deal with it. Maybe all in the family kind of has like some fucked up shit. And then some more fucked up shit is that you're friends with Fred Durst. And then after that, you have to establish that you're the best after getting dissed or whatever by everybody. And using Fred Durst as the embodiment of people dissing you is, I mean, it's a fair point. And then immediately after showing like, but there's this other side that people who feel a certain way that maybe is real and then to follow that up because there's that kid who left but to talk about his seed in the next song is pretty cool all right mike how do you feel about seed i feel it's a good song i mean uh but nothing too crazy for me for me this is one that just like um a little while ago i've been bbk i feel like just more of a come down song in regards to what everything happened before and what's coming up especially the next song but I do feel it's a good song, but nothing too um, too crazy for me. I don't have much to say on this. I'm giving it a 3.5 on 5. All right. I mean, this song is basically Jonathan Davis uh, looking at his kid and remembering the innocence of youth he used to have before he got fucked up in his life. So, um, you know, in first verse one, we have him. Um, musing about the typical every day it gets a little harder he can't get away he remembers there's a certain place a place he wished i'd stay he felt so lost pressured he headed for that day just one thought in my head really do i need this fame i mean you're still at it you clearly like the fame you a lot of bands your, your last album was only a few years ago you guys are still pretty active i think jonathan got to be comfortable with it after all said and done but yeah, it's that kind of shit. And then, you know, in the midst of all of your narcissistic feelings of looking inside of yourself, he has this strangely worded sentence for the chorus that he like screams out as it shifts into like heavy gear mode. As the verses are all calm and then heavy gear for like the cook. Every time, goddamn, I look at my seed. It's such a weird sentence because you would think every goddamn time yeah but every time goddamn i look at my seed i see something i can't be beautiful and carefree that's how i used to be 
I think it's just like saying at that time, then he's like, God damn, when he's actually acknowledging it. And it's like, I agree. It's just the way he delivers it is powerful in that sense. Because it's like you can see he's looking at his kid and almost remembering what life once was like. And then it's like he's looking at like you know he's like he's a freak or whatever you know he's some freak because he's so pressured so weak something takes a hold of me sometimes i can't believe so in a sense jonathan davis is a regular ass human after all and when he looks at his son he feels the fatherly feelings that many fathers feel when they look at their kid or maybe it's a daughter i don't know so i guess it's his son and so he's looking at this and he's wondering you know and that's his kid and so his kid is almost the reason to kind of keep going and to pursue it all so i see this face so innocent and fine see this face and i realize it's mine it's such an interesting point to look at your kid and, and literally see yourself in it but also see the things you used to be and then he does some weird like freak on a leash scat like shit but they pitch shift it so it kind of sounds a bit like a baby and i thought that was fucking lame but okay, it was all right. But they did do that at a certain point. I think it's um, around when they do the bridge part and then they kick into the court. They have like this moment of silence before they kick into super, super hard corn. And then uh, they do the chorus one more time and then they like re repeat the every time like a freak line. And I'm like, this is a cool song. Um, it's long. And I felt like you, if you're not really feeling it, it starts to drag on once the song cuts yeah, and they bring it back for that last part. I felt like it was a little bit much, but it is a cool like idea for a song. Like I love what he's singing about and the way he like questions everything when he's looking at his kid and whatnot. Um, but overall, I think it's on the worst end of this album, but I have to say that this far in, the worst end of this album is still really good. Like, there's nothing bad on this project. Every song is well put together. There's nothing that just sounds sloppy. It sounds so well crafted. So yeah, 4.25 on five for me on this one. I don't know, remember if you gave it a grade. I gave it 3.5. All right, so we'll go on to my last big surprise on this album as we talk <laughs> about camel tosis. A camel toe is when a lady um, is wearing tight pants and you can see the outline of her vagina inside of her pants. So that's a camel toe. So camel toesis is a disease plague on top of that. But that's the boring part of this song. The interesting part of this song is it's featuring fucking Slim Kid 3 from fucking The Far Side. Now, I... Like within the last two months, we reviewed for Sar Rides, Bizarre Ride, the Far Side's Bizarre Ride to the Far Side. And like last year, we did Lab Cabin, California. So, like, I know who the fuck this guy is. And like, I've reviewed some of his music and gotten to appreciate them. And then, because the rapping in the verses is just too good to be Jonathan Davis. Like, it's just too good. And. And then you hear Jonathan do the hook in the chorus or whatever, but basically it's these rap verses and then Jonathan kind of doing ad-libs and singing. I mean, maybe Jonathan raps here, but I feel like on all three verses, the rapping is a little bit too good for what Jonathan has shown us in terms of like rapping. And it kind of all sounds like the same rapper to me. I couldn't figure it out. According to Genius, it's only the third verse that's the featured guy. And I'm like, I don't know about that. Not the beginning. Definitely the first verse. Maybe the second verse is Jonathan, but maybe i don't really know either way 
At the time, Farside had lost one of its members, and Slim Kid had tried to get uh, Booty Brown, and I think it was Imani was the other one there, and they were just like, fuck that shit, we ain't doing no corn album, we hip-hop. And uh, Slim Kid did this, and part of the reason that Slim Kid ended up leaving the group was this decision to do this song, because they thought it was a bad idea, and he was like, come on guys, let's do some cool music. Either way... The rapping is fucking dope because, like, he's really a talented rapper. I should have learned it from the start what I was in for. She break a tin can, she copied, we exchanged her info, called her on a tele, conversation was simple. Ain't playing game, my game retained a tempo. And I'm like, whoa, there's no edge, there's no corniness, it's just flowing. It sounds really good. And things, no shame, two sparks turn into flames, nymphos into part, just dancing in the rain. Hook me to fix and look to drain my aim. Some never retain that wouldn't suck from your veins. And it's pointing out how this lady is a bit of a sucky bitch. That's maybe not the best idea. And then the way it flows out that like part. So baby, I ask, what do you want from me? It really sounds like a far side joint. Like that is some shit far side would do. And I was like, that's really cool because it's not often when i come across these weird crossover obscure shits where i actually know the source material so that was really fun for me and then you know the chorus is fine you see this time i cannot ever love another cunt you did end up loving another one after the one you broke up with or whatever you trick ass slut love twice and you'll get fucked honestly i feel like jonathan davis on the, the hook is probably the weakest parts of this song <laughs> And then the verses too are good. The next two verses are fine. Flows in through. And it's just really like, I found like it to be this crazy, weird, like, it's like a far side song. And it's like a corn song mixed together in such a way where if you recognize the two styles, you actually see how they link together. And that really impressed the fuck out of me. Unlike the Ice Cube song, which kind of felt a little cornball, but like was still kind of fun, or the Limp Biscuit song, which was definitely cornball, but still kind of fun, this was like, wow, new metal could have been amazing if more people had gotten behind it like this, if more like people had tried as hard as Slim Kid tried on this song. Because I don't think Ice Cube gave his full effort, and I don't think Fred's, Fred can give a good effort. I think Fred's always going to be a little corny. I like it, but he's still going to be corny for life. It's this a niche market. It's a 4.5 on 5, this song, for me. I really liked it. Yeah, I'm going to have to give it the 4.25. I feel like it was a good crossover, really interesting, because I wasn't familiar with Farside before at all. Oh, you should check them out, dude. They're fucking good. Yeah, well, I definitely am right now, and I feel it was a good mix with them together. And I feel because, like, I'm, since I'm not familiar with Farside, I'm guessing the 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 rapping was like far side style but the guitaring was also corn so i feel like it was a good crossover in that way and maybe if i get more more familiar with far side i'll be able to actually understand it more like you but i feel it's a very fun song it's a very different song than what the album's used to giving out and i feel like this one just like every other featured one is going to be a memorable one because of i just feel the fact that it's different it's showing you that corn can be more than because one thing i've always appreciated about corn it's they're a very unique band that's very hard to rip off them to rip them off so i feel like this was also a different style showing how how diverse they can be how they actually worked with, I'd say, two different rappers on this album. And even if you want to consider Fred Durst rapping, then also another one. But I still say that uh, they showed complete diversity with this song as well. It's a very fun song. 
Um, I just find it's a very different one, and it's pretty much introducing corn to a different, uh, introducing corn fans to to a new uh, to a new group that that's not that famous, but introducing you to someone new. All right. Um, so I guess that brings us to the last song on the album, which is called "My Gift to You." So if you had bought the disc, you'd know that there's a whole other song after this that's tucked away in hidden songland, and we'll get to that, I promise. But this was still like a seven minute, like fucking, how long was it? Seven minutes, 15 seconds, fucking super ballady outro darkness song. Apparently the, the context is uh, his girlfriend at the time was like, why haven't you written me a song saying how much you love me? Why not? Like, I don't understand it. And so he wrote this about her because he had this uh, long-standing fantasy of choking her out and killing her. And they would have this twisted things like she would leave him love notes of here's 15 ways I'd like to kill you. And that's the kind of twisted relationship they had. Um, so she appreciated um, this as a fucked up uh, token of his love because it was there was effort involved and i'm like well this relationship didn't last and he ended up with the next girl but man this is a fucked up song because it really was inspired about his girlfriend um anyway it's long it's creepy and basically he fantasizes about uh grabbing her by the throat and killing her so it's like there you are my precious not long ago hiding between the shadows of your broken soul why is it always you want something you can never have why did you try to tell me how could you be this way so it's almost like the girls nagging at him with regular ass shit like girlfriends will do oh you should pick up the this or oh you should do the this and he's like woman you should never have questioned me blah 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 your throat i take grasp then your eyes roll back love racing through my veins your heart stops beating black orgasms that kiss your lifeless skin so it's like smut porn in a song and uh yeah here yeah and then it ends with here i am just a man feeling pain gives me life relieving uh us is my pain plan i'll do anything just to see through your eyes see through your eyes see through your eyes and then it's kind of like an interesting thought his biggest fantasy is to witness uh the murder like he wants to see his face as he's killing her through her eyes and shit and then something he is good at doing is in the last time when he goes just to see through your and then he goes i hate you can't you feel the pain and he screams that out a whole bunch of times and then goes back to the chorus and then repeats lifeless skin and then i'm like that's a fucked up love song i do not know how i would feel if i was the girl uh, listening to this but still it's uh it's an okay track i feel like it's a distinct way to end the album and on the one hand like it's creepy as shit but on the other hand there's this dark romantic uh, romantic side to it also there was something to the timing that i thought was super nifty and like stood out because it's not it doesn't feel like it's just four by four by four it felt like it was one two three one two three one two three one two three four I don't know if that's a real timing, so I called it three, 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 four timing. But if you listen to the verse and the way the guitars are playing out, it's one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, and then a four count to kind of tie it all back in together. And I thought rhythmically that was cool because it's not that often you see bands playing with shit that isn't your standard four by four. So for you, good, you music nerds out there that know a lot more about the music construction side than I do, I want you to know I, th I noticed that one. I like this song. I give it a 4.5. It's a twisted love song. It's very twisted.
Yeah, I feel the same way. Like, but like how you said, you know how to feel like it if you were the girl in this case. But you also don't know because you've probably never been in that type of relationship where that stuff intrigues you. Where I'm not innocent. Okay, well, I've never been in that personally from my view, but uh, I never had fantasies of uh, choking my ex. Um, girlfriend or anything like that but thing is like if you're into that kinky shit and this was like she was upset that you never gave her a song and since this was basically personal about how they felt with each other like into that crazy ass kinky shit violently kinky shit i feel like this was his way of saying okay this is my gift to you and since i'm pretty much discussing stuff that only you know that we're into i feel like that's something that was like the extra icing on the cake per se to it i mean i could see how like in the right relationship this is romantic but i can also see how the girl kind of wanted a why don't you write me a fucking song saying you love me and this is his way of saying shut the fuck up all right this is my gift to you it's but it's his way of saying you know me i can't yeah. do that i fucking wrote a song about killing you and fucking you <laughs> and yeah. it's just fucking weird whatever it's what it is i'm but it has like uh i love you so much i can fantasize about killing you feel which does have that deep connection and i'm certain that whoever's dating jonathan davis is not expecting the regular level of um romance that she would expect from other people he's that dark romantic type and if you're in and if you love him then this is something that's probably going to be very much appreciative to you um to that end though if you did let that silence play out for a while you would come across a bonus song called earache my eye so you hear them like having a conversation about ethnicities and clearly smoking some marijuana for a minute then it just kicks in and it's like a corn song if cheech was gonna sing it and it's just fucking ridiculous uh my mama talked to me tried to tell me how to live but i don't listen to her because my head is like a cf my daddy he disowned me because i wear my sister's clothes caught me in the bathroom with a pair of pantyhose like this is back when trans shit was like funny yeah i would never fly right now it is yeah. uh for wearing high heel sneakers because i'm acting like a queen gonna tie my pecker to a tree and uh uh, and I don't give a damn as long as I have my bitch or I'm a fuck you. It don't bother me if people think I'm funny because I'm a big rock star and I make lots of money. So in a sense, it's kind of satirizing the lens people will go to, I guess, live and act a certain way. And there is something to be said that if you really wanted to get famous and you couldn't succeed as a singer or anything, if you dressed up in women's clothes and did the drag thing, you might have a clear shot to success if you learn that really well. You don't even have to be that attractive. You just have to be that charismatic. Um, this was a strange thing for me to listen to. Um, I give it a four. It, it's kind of like a nice surprise. It's like a bonus song. But like, I'm kind of like, I'm not counting this as part of the album. This is just like a, an add-on. Like, yeah. uh, this is the little after the movie Marvel credits thing. You know, just like that bonus seat, like scene after the credits to me, uh, nothing much. Just I guess the band was probably just like one of those things. Oh, we're still recording. Let's just try to just add something on. All right, cool. Let's just like fuck with them. And um, yeah, it just feels like them just getting stoned and just like, all right, let's just finish this up with putting something stupid on. I feel the guitaring was good though. I like the guitar in it, but um, I personally won't count this part of the album as part of my grade, but uh, I'm gonna give it uh, three on five. Fair enough. Um, so that brings us to the end of this album review. 
where I have to say I truly enjoyed this project. Um, as a whole, I gave it a 4.469. I think it is a classic in the new metal era of music. It is definitely a project that I think it may have actually gone up in appreciation if you look at it with a lens of understanding of what drove Jonathan Davis to his music. Now that a lot of stories about him are out and we know a lot about the world he was in that created this music, I feel like it adds a lot more value to it and it goes a little bit away from just petulant whining into a meaningful experience of a guy who's exposing his emotions before it was cool to do so. Um, sonically, they're all over in terms of creating an eclectic mix where there are a couple of songs that might be kind of more in the filler-esque of the feel of the album for the most part everything's a distinct experience most of it's heavy definitely got some funk and groove in there and you can just feel like how well that the musician the, the, how tight the musicianship is on this album mixed with how like versatile and incredible jonathan davis really is as a singer overall great album and i'm really happy to have talked about it yeah, me too. I'm glad I got to review this with you, someone who actually was around at that time, like when they were popular, even though you weren't really listening to them. No, I was not. Yeah, but uh, I was at that point. I've been a fan of them for a long time, and uh, this was actually one of my favorite albums from Korn. This one and uh, Untouchables are my favorite two Korn albums, mm -hmm. and this one I just feel they were, they did a dedication to someone. They had fun with it. They played some very deep songs, and they very show they showed off all their talents. I find they showed how diverse they can be. Um, as a grade, I'm gonna give it 4.25. Actually, yeah, um, yeah, 4.5 on five. I'm actually gonna give, no 4.25. I'm gonna stick with. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So let us know what you think in the comments. I totally look forward to seeing uh, how you felt about this project. Uh, what your experiences with Corn are? Did you see them live? Were you one of those infamous ladies who was backstage in the recording? Imagine, imagine one of the groupies in that moment happens. Like if you're, a, if you were, find the term groupie offensive, Miss Lady, watching this, I apologize. But like in general, that would be really cool. So let us know your experiences in the comments. I'd love to hear whatever you have to tell us. If you make that effort to comment, I'll make that effort to answer you. You can also hit subscribe for more reviews. You can hit that like button if you did. And uh, yeah, special thanks to the patrons: Ismail Gadamsi, Chris Prado, Jonathan Barnes, C.J. Black, Hurricanes, and Linda Williams. They support the channel. They want to see us grow. They help us get a new camera. They get to tell us what albums to review. It's been a couple weeks is tj black hurricanes review and uh yeah for a dollar or more a month on patreon you can help us become something big like anthony fantano up on this platform uh anyway uh otherwise we make some music up in here you can check that on the channel and uh yeah looking forward to catching y'all next time thanks and have a wonderful day week month year